it's Gary Parish. It's Thursday, December 24, 2020. Merry Christmas Eve. And welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me, and we spent parts of the last two episodes on historically strong programs immediately after rough losses. So let's do it again. An interesting final score from Wednesday night, Northwestern 74, Indiana 67 inside assembly hall so the hoosiers are now five and three with wins over stanford providence butler losses to texas florida state northwestern this is year four of archie miller at iu he went nine and nine in the big 10 in year one eight and 12 in year two nine and 11 last season he's now zero and one this season with a loss to a northwestern team that was picked to finish last in the big 10 so archie miller's all-time record in the big 10 to date is 26 and 33 norlander this is a Indiana fan base that was glad Tom Crean was fired one year after winning his second outright Big Ten title. They don't do losing very well in that state. How do you think everybody is feeling right now in Bloomington? Uh, it's a bit of a grumpy Christmas Eve here. There's no doubt about it. And they've got, it's not a Christmas Day game. We'll get to the Big Ten Christmas Day games in a little bit. But they do have a day after Christmas game at Illinois. Um on Wednesday night, uh, close to around 11 Eastern, I hopped on the tweet machine, and for the court report, I always have a little a section called at me. Yes, I want you to at me, and it's basically a reader mailbag, so I asked for some questions. I did not address Archie Miller's job status, but I had four or five Indiana fans basically ask me that very question. Why can't he turn this around? When is Archie Miller going to be fired? What's going on in Indiana? Why can't this, uh, why can't this be better? I think Indiana fans were okay with a 5-2 and two record with losses on a neutral in Maui. I say in Maui, you know what I mean, against Texas, and then at Florida State in overtime. But the home loss to Northwestern, I think, it, you know, the league is going to be tough, and Indiana fans have been, I think they've been pretty patient. Now, there have, there, you're right, though. They don't, they don't suffer losing. You might even say it's a, a, they have a bit of an outsized ego, Um you know, I was surprised in the offseason when I did my rankings of the best programs in college basketball history. Like, historically now, according, you know, I took I took a look at a whole bunch of different statistics and stuff. And Louisville is a better all-time program at this point than Indiana. And we think of the Blue Bloods as, as we do. We think of the Blue Bloods as six of them. Kansas, Kentucky, Carolina, Duke, uh, Mick Cronin's UCLA team, and Indiana as the six. But Louisville has elevated itself ahead of Indiana. Now, Indiana's really right there, and then I think you can kind of draw a line and say that there are seven of them, but its stature has certainly dropped. Like, if you if we were to go back 25 years, Indiana would be in that top four probably. It's not that anymore. It's, it's really at number seven right now, and they, they demand a lot. They command a lot of their head coaches, and Archie Miller did a tremendous job at Dayton, and they probably would have made the tournament last season, but they didn't have a tournament last season. So he still technically has not made an NCAA tournament. They were a bubble team. So it was a tough call. Who knows? Now at 5-3, and three, going against Illinois on the road. You know, credit to Northwestern, 2-0 for the first time in Big Ten playing 15 seasons. And if anything, like, I don't know, maybe Michigan State's loss at Northwestern doesn't look as bad because it won in Indiana. And maybe Indiana's home loss to Northwestern doesn't look as bad because it beat Michigan State. One of those kind of deals perish. But... They should be better than, I think, 5-3. and three. This will be canceled out if they can win at Illinois, but that is a tall task. The bright spot so far to this point, even though he was outplayed a bit on on, on Wednesday night, Trace Jackson Davis has been has been wonderful, but um, uh, Northwestern was was really, really good on uh, on Wednesday. And between Miller Cop, Pete Nance, uh, Chase Adige, they... They did a number on him, and uh, they took advantage of the fact that Indiana couldn't have fans in the stands. So you actually have fans of the program that is just below Louisville, historically, according to you, um, that are wondering, like, is this it for Archie Miller? That surprises me because despite what I said at the top, I was just framing the conversation. I don't think Indiana should be looking to make a coaching change, although I am surprised that this isn't going better. Yeah, I'm surprised it's not going better. But yes, Indiana fans are now at that point. They wanted the team to be better last season than a 20 and 12 record when the season was halted. They thought that their team should have been much more comfortably in the tournament. And when you know Tom Crean leaves, you bring in Archie. He was as good as he was at Dayton. You know Tom Crean, by the way, the year before he left, 
they were a five seed. They made the Sweet 16, made the tournament the year before that. They didn't have as much overall success as they wanted under Tom Crean, but he did make four NCAA tournaments and took a program that was, you know, fairly decimated for rules and fractions that don't even exist anymore when Calvin Sampson was there. The point is, they thought that Archie Miller would be able to step in. All right, first year might be a little bumpy. Second year, 20 wins in the tournament. That didn't happen. 19 wins, they didn't make the tournament. Third year, which got canceled, they won 20 games, and then we didn't have a tournament to get to. So I think they're just itchy. I would not, I'm not, Archie Miller's not on the hot seat. He's not losing his job this season. That's simply fantasy land stuff. It's not going to happen. Uh, I would argue that he probably wouldn't even be on the hot seat heading into next season if Indiana uh, finishes in like the top eight of the Big Ten. But yes, there is some consternation amongst the fan base. I can understand that. Problem is, it's not going to get easier for Indiana fans because of the league you're in. So you're going to get good wins, but you're going to take on a lot of losses here. And with a reduced non-conference schedule, I'll be intrigued to see where Indiana lands when we're talking on March 1 because we both thought Indiana was like a top 30 quality kind of team. That can be the case, and you're still like the sixth best team in the Big Ten or the seventh best team in the Big Ten. So um, it's going to be an interesting couple of months here for Hoosiers fans. Yeah, and when you contrast it with how well it went at Dayton, you know that's another somewhat surprising thing. Now, Indiana job's clearly better than the Dayton job. That's why Archie's coaching Indiana right now as opposed to Dayton. But, um, you know, if you've got Dayton rocking and rolling, there's only so many schools, programs in the A-10 that can mess with you. In the Big Ten, like, there's a, a, a long list of schools that can mess with you, and that has been the case, you know, through certainly the first three years. Uh, that Arch has been there. In year three at Dayton, he went to the Elite Eight. Year four, another NCAA tournament appearance. Year five, another NCAA tournament appearance. Year six, another NCAA tournament appearance. And then that's when he bounced to Indiana. In year three at Indiana, 9-11 and 11 in the Big Ten. In year four, just lost to Northwestern. But you're exactly right. What happened Sunday night to Michigan State was like, oh my God, that's an embarrassment. What if Northwestern is just like kind of good? They might, they might, they, they certainly are, are better than what anybody anticipated heading into the preseason. So it is possible, I guess my point is, that this loss won't look as bad as it seems right now, you know, six weeks from now. But what it is right now is a loss that drops you to 0-1 in the Big Ten, and it's a loss against the team that was picked, finished last in the Big Ten, and it's a loss at home to that team. What's interesting is that, let's just, play pretend for a second maybe this ends up being a not great year at indiana you look at the roster there's only one senior on it um he could bring back everybody except al durham now i guess everybody in the country could bring back everybody given the way the ncaa is not counting this year as as a uh eligibility year but you get my point there's no obvious first round pick on the indiana roster like nobody has to leave because they're projected to go in the top 10 and you just can't pass that up. So it could be that the first four seasons of Archie Miller aren't great. And then you bring back this whole team for like most of this team. And, and then you, you break through in year five. Uh, we'll see, but it, it is wild. I can remember right after Arch was hired, I was on an Indiana podcast and I'm, I'm rarely stumped by a question. Like it's my job to, answer questions publicly. And so you either know exactly what you're going to say or you fake it, but like you're rarely stumped. And I remember being on this podcast and I was asked like, if Archie isn't successful at Indiana, what would be the reason? And I was genuinely stumped. And I actually said some version of, you know what? I've never even thought about that because I can't imagine him not working at Indiana. So to go from that to this conversation, again, surprising. Doesn't mean I'm going to put him on any hot seat list. It doesn't mean if I were running Indiana, I would make a coaching change. It doesn't mean that I don't think this season can go well and that next season can't be amazing for all the reasons already stated. It's just in the simplest of terms, I'm a little surprised that it hasn't gone more smoothly because I expected this to go really, really well. And it still might, but it's not going really, really well so far. I think even Archie would, would tell you that. So on Wednesday night, there was a handful of interesting games. Ohio State beat Rutgers. Creighton handled Xavier, gave the Musketeers their first loss. Illinois scored 98 in a win at Penn State. Villanova bombed Marquette. We're going to get into some of that next, but first. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. 
The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do, like me taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. So on Wednesday night, there was a handful of interesting games. Ohio State beat Rutgers. Creighton gave Xavier its first loss of the season. Illinois nearly scored 100 in a win at Penn State. Villanova made 13 threes at Marquette. Deadleg, I know you were in front of a television. What of those games, what stood out to you? Uh, I was bouncing all around. I was I was working on the court report and watching all of this. Um, Nova pulled away from Marquette, Not you know, I, I believe now Marquette, <laughs> I'm pretty sure Marquette's 0-3. In fact, I know they are since uh, we got on this podcast and I declared that Marquette was going to the tournament. It's proceeded to lose three straight games. It's now 5-5 five and five and has a road game against Georgetown next after we flip the calendar. Villanova, to me, has, has pulled away as the best team in the Big East. Um, I know Creighton is certainly, you know, it's it's still within shouting distance, but I think it's Villanova, and then there's a drop-off there. Um, the game that I was most compelled by, aside from, you know, Northwestern Indiana was was the most compelling game. Uh, Illinois got a good push initially from Penn State, but then I thought that was an important win for Illinois to get it on the road, not avoid back-to-back losses, get to 6-3. and It's got the game, as we previously mentioned, against Indiana on Saturday there. I thought that was probably the most important outcome from Wednesday, but to me, Creighton getting the win against Xavier, 66-61. Xavier takes his first loss of the season. That was... I don't know, uh, maybe my biggest takeaway of the night, non-Indiana related there, because Xavier could have, they could have won, but it was, it was was they were in a tough spot on the road. Creighton gets the kind of win that, to me, still keeps like, the Big East, I think it is going to be Villanova, go down a shelf, Creighton, go down a shelf, and then all of the items and goods that are Providence and Xavier and Seton Hall, and Butler, and UConn, and Marquette, maybe even DePaul. Shouts to DePaul. It finally played its first game of the season on Wednesday, and it was able to get a win. Um, by the way, who did who'd DePaul beat? Trivia time. Who did DePaul beat? I have no idea. They beat they beat the Leathernecks. They beat the Leathernecks? They beat the DePaul, Leathernecks. DePaul played the Leathernecks? They and played I didn't the even, Leathernecks? It wasn't of, even on my radar. I don't get caught up in all the the inside like super cool college basketball DePaul stuff. Like I don't get involved in that. I don't find it that interesting. I, everybody loves to tweet about DePaul and DePaul won or DePaul lost. I just, I don't find it that interesting. So I, I, I didn't intentionally not know who DePaul played, um, but I don't, I don't follow it with the same sort of giddiness that some do. DePaul. Well, yeah, but you you should follow the Leathernecks with giddiness. Uh, and you didn't. That's a good point. That's a good point. You didn't follow the Leathernecks with giddiness. Okay, we got problems. It's a grievance right there, day after Festivus. Right now, my favorite stat, by the way, is DePaul shot 10 of 20 from three-point range against the Leathernecks, as one as one will do against the Leathernecks. So right now, DePaul is the number one three-point shooting team in America. Never mind it's played one game because it's hitting 50% of its three-point shots, and it's number one in effective field goal percentage. Anyway, um, the point I was making before the Leathernecks got me off the trail and the rail was that the Big East is just going to have teams three through probably nine um, that might be just almost interchangeable. And how that's going to look when it comes to trying to get teams in the tournament, I'll be interested to see by the time we get to Valentine's Day. So um, a decent Wednesday. There are no games as we talked here on Thursday, but the, the, the Creighton-Xavier game was the one that I was probably most clued into. Yeah, you know, Creighton, Greg McDermott, 
made this point after the game. Like, that's two in a row that they've won in ways that they didn't used to win. Like Creighton, if they were going to beat you under normal circumstances, they're going to outscore you. They're going to, they're going to just, they're going to, they're going to be brilliant offensively and just outscore you. And here's one where they win a game in the sixties against, you know, a, a ranked team. You know, ultimately we'll see how good Xavier is you know, going forward, but you know, that's a team that did enter undefeated with some pretty good wins on its resume. And, you know, I know, you know, I made this point on inside college basketball on Wednesday night. Like once you're eight and O and you're Travis Steele, you want to be nine and O and you're disappointed if you're not, but I promise you, if you told Travis or anybody connected to that program, you'll be eight and one with a five point loss at Creighton being the lone loss heading into Christmas. You'd, you'd take that every time. So um, I left Xavier right in the top 25 and one where I had him. I'm not going to punish them for losing a road game by five points to a higher ranked team. Illinois, you mentioned it. They were down big early and then just took off, end up scoring 98 points at Penn State in what ended up being a pretty easy victory. They got to sure some things up on the defensive end. Uh, Brad Underwood, I'm certain, would agree. But, like, they can score, man. They're, they're going – like, the, the the Illinois team total in that game was 77, and they end up going way over it. So, um, Io DeSumo had 30. Uh, that's a really gifted offensive basketball team. And I thought Villanova was terrific as well. You know, Marquette shot – 51% from the field, 50% from three, and still lost by 17 points to a Villanova team that went 13 of 33 um, from three-point range. It's not quite as impressive as what Kansas had done from the arc against West Virginia the night before, but still a, 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 a pretty nice offensive performance. And again, like I said last night on Inside College Basketball, I don't know if this will be the season when Jay Wright gets his third national championship, but it seems pretty obvious already that he's got a team good enough to put him in a position to maybe get his third national championship. And one more from, from Wednesday night. Ohio State beat Rutgers 80-68. to 68. I caught some of this, GP. Uh, not all of it, chasing the kids around, as one will have to do there. That This game actually, you can speak more to this, but it flipped. Like Rutgers had the lead. Steve Peichel, how about this? Did you see that Steve Peichel got a technical foul? I had this in Wednesday's court report, too, at near the end of my notes section. It was the first time in 508 career games of Peichel's head coaching career that he ever received a technical foul, which I thought was astounding. What were your thoughts on Ohio State giving Rutgers its first loss of the season and in doing so, by the way, oh, by the way, improving to 7-1? and yeah, Rutgers was up 10 at the half, and Ohio State outscores them 52 to 30 in the final 20 minutes. So beating a legitimate top 22, top 20 team by 22 in the second half is impressive. Scoring 52 against a legitimate top 20 team in the second half is impressive. Um, yeah, like when I, and I like you, I was bouncing around. I was, we had a, we it was supposed to be a triple header on CBS Sports Network, ended up being a double header on CBS Sports Network. So we had to fill the time with an inside college basketball. I was bouncing from my desk into a studio on television so on and so forth. But when I heard, because I did not see it, when I heard Steve Peichel got a technical, I was like, what miserable ref would give Steve Peichel a technical? <laughs> Steve Peichel, I don't know how well you know him, but I, you know, he's, he's worked with this at CBS Sports Network several times. Like genuinely the nicest man on the planet. Like I, don't even, I can't imagine what Steve Peichel would have to do to get a technical foul. More specifically, I can't imagine Steve Peichel doing the type of thing that you have to do or should have to do to get a technical foul. I, I agree with you completely on this, by the way. So Steve Peichel's just, he's not one of the more well-known head coaches in the sport. And part of that's just because he was at Stony Brook, now he's at Rutgers. He's making Rutgers relevant for the first time in decades. So for those that don't really know him, he is considered by coaches, he's of that Fran Dunphy vintage where coaches in the profession just regard him as one of the most, you know, generous, kind-hearted, gentle souls in college basketball. So you're so the the idea that Peichel would get his first tee, you know, decades into his career and it would happen, you know, while he's masked up and and all this stuff I thought was uh was was certainly interesting and yes, I don't know the official that doled that out by the way, but uh but yeah, a, a bit of a grinch, I got to say. 
Uh, real quick on Ohio State. Uh, so they get that win improved to 7-1. and 6-0 with EJ Liddell in the lineup. You know, he was away from the team with a what Ohio State described as a non-COVID illness for a couple of games. And that played a role in them losing 67-60 at Purdue. Bounce back from that. Liddell's back in the lineup. They beat UCLA and the greatest coach in UCLA history, Mick Cronin, then I backed that up with a win over Rutgers. My point being this, Ohio State been sort of quiet this season in terms of I don't know how much time we've spent talking about them here on the Island College Basketball Podcast, but they are 7-1 and one, um, with victories over Notre Dame, UCLA, Rutgers, 6-0 and oh with Liddell in the lineup. Um, you know, Chris Holtman has coached in the past five NCAA tournaments, two different schools. Uh, seems pretty clear he's going to be coaching in a – in a sixth straight NCAA tournament, come watch. All right. We've got games to get to, GP. But before we do the final four and one, two questions for you. Mm-hmm. First of all, we are recording this on a Thursday. There is a huge Christmas Day game. So my first question is this. Because if this is not in your list, I'm making you do it. It's not a Friday, it's not a Friday podcast for a Friday game. You got Wisconsin and Michigan State in your four? Of course I do. I I I will bend my rules. My my general rule is I don't pick Friday games, but if we're recording on Thursday and the listeners have a full 24 hours before tip-off, I feel like that – what I'm always trying to avoid is somebody gets to this day of and it already feels old. I hear you. So uh, on Friday, I'd rather not spend time previewing Friday games because somebody might not be listening to it and the game's already happened. So – um, but this is a Thursday podcast okay. because tomorrow's Christmas. And as much as I love you, I don't think I can get away with recording a podcast on Christmas. So <laughs> no. we're recording on Thursday. I'm happy to pick Friday games. In fact, I've got, I believe, two Friday well, games look at you. ready to go. Okay, before we do this, here's my question. It's just a general quick discussion topic, okay, about the Friday games. So the only games that are happening on Christmas, which, by the way, is not new. We just normally never really pay attention because the um, – the tournament out in Hawaii is normally the Christmas Day games, and they just get buried. But college basketball on Christmas is not a new thing. It's just different this year because the Big Ten specifically scheduled for Christmas. Um, I actually called around, and uh, people connected to at least four of the teams that are playing on Christmas uh, said that the players were extremely anxious and eager and wanting to play on Christmas because... Let me. Why would you think they'd be eager to play on Christmas, GP? When when I tell you that, what's the first thing that would come to mind as to why they'd want to play on Christmas? I don't think this is the right answer, but it is the first thing that came to mind. Um, college players want to do everything NBA players do, and Bingo. it seems to it seems to be like a, a an accomplishment. Like, yeah, we got picked to play on Christmas, so playing on Christmas means a big thing. Is like a big thing in the NBA. So I could see college players translating into, into it's a big thing for us. Is that right? You are 100% correct. So all of these 18, 19, 20, 21 year olds, they've obviously grown up with you know, ABC and ESPN broadcasting Christmas Day games starting at noon and going into the night, and it's the best teams. If you're playing on Christmas, it means you're a really good player on a really good team that's relevant, except, of course, if you're the Knicks, which who for decades had the freaking 12 o'clock game for no good reason. The, the, the problem, of course, and I'm not here to ruin anybody's dreams, but um, all this means is that people will be watching LeBron James while you're playing on Christmas. Correct, correct. <laughs> but this is but this is how they are approaching it. Um, so good for them. They want to be doing this, uh, and and you know the league went to the players and they said, oh, if you if if we're going to be around anyway and we can play on Christmas, that's a pretty cool, awesome thing. I grew up watching basketball, dreaming I would get to play on Christmas Day. Now they get to do it with their college teams. So that's kind of a cool thing. But my question for you before we get to picking the games is this. Uh, like so, Wisconsin, Michigan State's a twelve thirty tip on Christmas. That is a wonderful, wonderful game. I, I don't know if I'm gonna be like into it at that hour. Kids doing the presents, like this is not part of my, my. I don't have muscle memory for this. This is not in my body clock to have like some some must watch college hoops games that early in the day on Christmas. There, it's gonna, Are you with me in that this is gonna feel like just a little bit weird? Like I'll turn it on eventually and, and get into it, but I'm just not accustomed to it being Christmas Day. And I wonder if our listeners kind of feel the same, especially ones that are not rooting for Big Ten teams because there's only four games tomorrow and they're all Big Ten intra-league games. Are you kind of with me in that this is uh, this might be a little bit, you know, it just seems out of place, might be a little hard to, uh, to get into on, on December 25? Well, it definitely seems out of place. And I do think... Um, Again, 
if the players are excited, I'm excited for them, but it does not serve the same purpose. Like if you were playing on Christmas in the NBA, like you're the only thing on. So people are watching you, you know, Wisconsin, Michigan state's not going to be the only thing on. They're going to be an NBA game going directly opposite it. And then, you know, throughout the day, you've got the NFL popping in with Saints Vikings. So you're not going to be on some bigger than normal stage by playing a big 10 game opposite the NBA and the NFL. Um, so it does feel out of place. I, I'll turn it on. You really going to still be having kids open in presence at 1230. My kids will be up at 5 a.m. Like we, they will have everything opened and completely destroyed by 715 at the latest. No, that's, you're, you're right about that. The presents are going to be, uh, yeah, my phrasing was incorrect on that. The, pre, the presents are going to have been opened. If I can make it to, see, I got a two-year-old. He still doesn't know what's going on fully here because he just turned two. So he'll just get up and do it. He's just going to get up like normal. Um, my five-year-old, of course, he knows the deal. If I can make it to 7.15, that's going to be a win. I, I, I think I, my wife will allow me to make it to 7.15. I know that much because she is just absolutely an, an amazing human being. So, um, But, yeah, the presents are going to be – it's going to be a wrap by 9, by 8.30. Who am I kidding? Um, but then they want to play with the toys. You know, I might have to build something, and you're just you're just in that mode. Like you want to be just sitting around, playing some Christmas music, you know, relaxing. And uh, but yes, the the presents will be long done because in a normal year we would have probably my parents come over, but that's not going to happen this year with COVID. And so yeah, we'll just uh, we'll make the most of it. Yeah, like in a normal year, we would go to my mother in law's tonight, and then we would go to my father's tomorrow and then my mother's tomorrow late afternoon. And so now we're not doing any of that. And so we'll just be, so what else am I going to do besides watch Michigan state, Wisconsin, of course, watch, watch the NBA probably, but but, uh, yeah, I'll have it on, but I do not think it serves the same purpose for the big 10 that it serves for the NBA. Like one of the reasons the NBA wanted to start on December 22nd is because it was financially impactful to have the Christmas day. What are five games in a row? What is that called? Double header, triple header, quadruple quintuple. header. What is, uh, quintuplet? Quintuple header. A quintuple header. The NBA Christmas day quintuple header is a very valuable thing. I don't know that um, it resonates quite the same way in college basketball, if only because the NBA already owns that day. Yeah, and the last piece of context before we finally get to uh, picking games here. This was done by the Big Ten. The Big Ten wasn't the only league that looked at this, by the way, but it's the only league that committed to it. There were a couple other uh, multi-bid leagues that looked into maybe getting games on Christmas Day. The Big Ten originally did this because when it was building its schedule, there was a curiosity if the NBA was going to come back in time for this, but a lot of people think the, thought the NBA wouldn't come back until January, but then once the, once the NBA kind of laid out to its players' union, here's how much money the NBA collectively stands to lose if we don't start until January and we don't get in in December with our inventory. Uh, they came to an agreement, and so the season has obviously started uh, as of December 22nd. So for a short window there, the Big Ten actually was doing this um, also because it thought it could be the only basketball played on Christmas Day. That's now not the case. It will obviously be massively dwarfed by the NBA as it should, but this is a College Hoops podcast, and these are good College Hoops games. Let's get rolling with the Final Four and one. GP, what do you want to start with? First, I'd like to know our updated records. Oh, well, I, I, first of all, I updated it on the Sunday podcast, but if you need me to remind everyone, we are both 6-3. and three. We pick five games each week, but we lost the Texas-Baylor game, so we are going to have probably an uh, just an uneven, not divisible by five number at the end of this. So we've each picked nine games that have been played, and we are each six and three through two weeks. How is it possible I can have a winning record on a podcast and a losing record in real life? <laughs> is that an existential question, or like I don't know what you're referring to there? So I just sit around sometimes with my friends who gamble on sports, and we just wonder, like, how are we always wrong? Like, like you just, do you want to take the points or lay the points? Do you want to go over or under? Like, how are you, how are you always wrong? It doesn't make any sense. That is, that is gambling, which is my reminder. This is for purely just entertainment purposes. Banking us being wrong. We're six and three right now, each of us. And uh, those good times probably will not continue to roll. You know, I, I, I do these ads on radio for some of the online gambling sites because it is now legal in the state of Tennessee. And at the end, it's always, you know, you got to do the disclaimers, you know, it must be 21 and, you know, in, you know, in, 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 you know, in physically in the state of Tennessee. And then the last thing is always, and if you or someone, you know, has a gambling problem and wants help, please call 1-800-blah, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, 
first off, yes, I know people who have gamma problems, but the people I know who have gamma problems, they don't want help. They, they want a live line. They want, they want, they want, they want a halftime line. They don't want to, they don't want help. They'd want, they want one more game. So yeah, do with these, whatever you want. Doesn't matter to me. Final four and one game one Friday, 1230 Eastern, number nine, Wisconsin at number 12, Michigan State, inside the Drew Neitzel Center. You can watch it on Fox. Wisconsin is minus one and a half. Wisconsin is damn good. Michigan State's coming off a rough loss. Michigan State's 27th in Ken Palm right now. Wisconsin is fourth. Um, The third best defense uh, per Ken Palm to this point are these Badgers. I'm going to take Michigan State. I still think that Michigan State's going to be a top-four team in the Big Ten. I'm not going to take too much off that loss at Northwestern. If anything, maybe Izzo really just just gets his guys uh, in line there uh, in time for this game. Yeah, Wisconsin. Huh. Wisconsin being favored, according to Ken Palm, on the road in this spot. I don't see how I can't take Michigan State, although it is a weird like Christmas Day game. Maybe that adds a certain element of uncertainty there. But give me Sparty. You know, Michigan State let Northwestern shoot 53% from the field on Sunday, which is obviously not a normal thing. It's why Tom called it um, one of his more inept performances, you know, as a head coach, which I believe is like year 26 right now. Michigan State's 49th in adjusted defensive efficiency. Trivia time. Oh, boy. When's the last time the Spartans finished outside of the top 40 in adjusted defensive efficiency? Oh, boy. I, half of this feels like a trick question, like it's never happened in the Ken Palm era, but I'm going to say it actually has, and my blind guess is going to be 2003. 2006 is the correct answer. They finished um, outside of the top 40. The team went 8-8 eight and eight in the Big Ten, got a sixth seed in the NCAA tournament, lost to... You wrote 15,000 words about George Mason, of course. Lost to George Mason in the first round of that tournament. Drew Neitzel, by the way, was a sophomore on that team. As for this weekend, or this weekend, Christmas Day, uh, Joey Hauser is expected to play. He left the Northwestern game with a knee injury. He is, um, far as I'm told, good to go. So we'll see how effective he is. But, you know, Wisconsin's on a four-game winning streak now. Uh, Lone loss is a... It can't box out on a free throw buzzer loss against Marquette. Like you said, uh, third in defensive efficiency, 12th in offensive efficiency. I'll take the Badgers on the road. I got real questions about this Michigan State team right now. Yeah. All right. I like a little disagreement here. All right. What's uh, I'm guessing game two is another Big Ten game Christmas Day. Game two, Friday, 8 o'clock Eastern. Number four, Iowa at Minnesota inside Chris Humphreys Arena. Iowa is five uh, minus uh, five and a half. You can watch it on the Big Ten Network. Yeah, I'm going to take Iowa here. Um, it's hard for me not to, frankly. Uh, I'm I'm still with you in that there being a top four right now, Gonzaga, then Baylor, then to me Kansas, then Iowa, then maybe we got a little bit of separation. So after, you know, Iowa won by 15 relatively easily on Tuesday against Purdue. Minnesota has gotten just tremendous play out of Marcus Carr to this point. He has been everything they hoped he would be and more. Obviously, this is a uh, a booth gosh game. Uh, we can't overlook that. Um, certainly uh, a huge factor. In fact, you know, maybe the line, maybe it's an insult. Maybe it's disrespectful to gosh. I don't know. But I, I can't take Minnesota in good conscience just yet. 7-1, only loss. They got drilled at Illinois last week. There hasn't really been a, a big challenge aside from St. Louis this past Sunday, and it was a good win. St. Louis is a good team, but I'm going to take Iowa to win, and I think I'm going to take Iowa to win with some with some comfort here, so uh, close to double digits for me. I almost named the arena Botcock Arena. <laughs> He's still active there, so it might be like a Hall of Fame situation, so I think you made the right call there. Now, Chris hum- Humphrey is, 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 a, is a good call there. There's an alternate universe where I say Friday – Eight Eastern, number four Iowa at Minnesota inside Bogok Arena. But I went with Chris Humphreys because he is, you might not know this, Chris Humphreys is the only ex-gopher to ever marry a Kardashian. I was aware of that, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Minnesota, uh, like uh, they, they, they handled our Billikens pretty easily 
on Sunday night. So that was rough to see. Marcus Carr leading assist man in the Big Ten, second leading scorer behind only Luca Garza. Garza is at 28.4 points, 9.1 rebounds, 68% from the field, 59% from three right now. I, like you, will take Iowa on the road. I think they'll just outscore. Game three, Saturday, 2 o'clock Eastern, number six, Houston at UCF inside Taco Fall Arena. Houston minus seven. According to Ken Palm, you can watch it on ABC. How about that? Houston, UCF on ABC. I know. That's a, that's a prime spot. This is the first – Saturdays, there's not a lot of games on Saturday, but there's plenty of good games. We only have 13 D1 games scheduled for Saturday. Hopefully we can keep all those. ABC's a little sweet spot there. That game got shifted over there. This is too big of a number for me, GP. I'm going to take UCF. It has only played four games so far, but it's played – Top 100 competition across the board. In fact, it's played top 75 competition. Wins over Auburn at Florida State, and then on Tuesday beat Cincinnati. The only loss, it wasn't close. It came by 22 at Michigan. But seven's a bit too much. If this was five, four and a half, five, I would probably take Kelvin Sampson's team, but I will ride with Johnny Dawkins and the Knights here. UCF has been better than uh, you know, most expected. Uh, they were picked eighth in the preseason AAC poll. Now they're sitting here, you know, got wins over Florida State, Auburn, Cincinnati. That lone loss was a Michigan loss, like you pointed out. Uh, Johnny Dawkins' team seems to be better than uh, it was projected to be, but I'll lay the points with Houston, I guess. Caleb Mills is expected to play. You know, he's the preseason AAC player of the year. He's only played twice this season because of an ankle injury. Kelvin Sampson did say that he could have played Tuesday night against Temple. They just gave it some more time, but he is expected to play at UCF. And keep an eye on Quentin Grimes. You know, uh, uh, he might have been off the radar for some people over the past couple of, since he left Kansas. He's a McDonald's All-American, went to Kansas, was supposed to be one and done. That didn't go so well. So he ends up transferring to Houston, and he's a nice player last season, an important part of a very good team, but he's really taken it to another level this season, perhaps in the absence of Caleb Mills. He's averaging uh, 22 or he's averaging 20.7.7 rebounds, shooting uh, 87% from the free throw line, 36% from three-point range. I'll say this. I had to submit a ballot on Wednesday to the Wooden Award. 25 names of players who should be under consideration for the Wooden Award, and one of the 25 names, it was Quentin Grimes. Yeah, um, I think that's probably fair at this point. And Houston, it might be a couple more wins away from really... It's it's getting respect in the polls, but uh, but if you're Houston, if you're in that conference and you haven't played high-profile opponents a lot, they've obviously faced some postponements. You just need a couple more wins before you're really sort of making some good noise. But as always, we do give some respect to the Cougs when deserved there. I'm, in, I'm intrigued to see what your fourth game is going to be here because but well before I give you my fifth game, just so everyone knows, Sunday's... Sunday's kind of dull, um, so if you're into the NFL playoff chase and all that stuff, as I'll be locked in on my Bears, there's not a lot on Sunday. So I know GP's fourth game is going to be one of the Saturday tips, but there's really three viable games to pick from, so which of the three are you going to give me right now? First, I appreciate you um, making it clear that you respect the Cougs. I'm confident that the Cougs listening right now are, are um, appreciative as well. Game four, Saturday, 4 p.m. Eastern, number one Gonzaga versus number 16 Virginia. Inside Dickie's Arena. Dickie's <laughs> Arena is just Dickie's Arena. Cur- uh, we agree. We agree. It can be <laughs> nothing else. Yes. You don't mess with perfection. All right? You don't mess with perfection. Dickie's uh, Arena is Dickie's Arena. Yeah. Ken Palm's got it. Gonzaga minus five. You can watch it on CBS. It's America's most watched network. It's the network of stars. It is. And this is a wonderful four o'clock game on CBS here. Please let us have it. Because uh, as we mentioned a couple podcasts ago, this is a direct contrast from uh from playing Iowa I mean Virginia doesn't operate at all like Iowa and I will be interested to see how Virginia handles this game it's played I saw it uh I I saw you know it it come out and beat Towson at Bubbleville and then lose against San Francisco and since then it's beat it's beaten St. Francis Pennsylvania Kent State in overtime and then William and Mary so it has not played Hasn't played a top 50 team yet this season. Gonzaga is much more seasoned with this. I am going to take Gonzaga here. I just, I, it would not surprise me if Virginia keeps it close. Because it's Tony Bennett, I'll also say it won't surprise me if Virginia wins this game. But it would be surprising if it would, if that makes any sense. It probably doesn't. Maybe it. It makes no sense. Okay. (laughs) Grammar grievance? Fair enough. Uh, By the way, tons of. 
Tons of love and respect for our grammar grievances. That's going to be an occasional segment, so put that down the road there. Um, Tony Bennett's capable of beating Mark Few in a head-to-head matchup scheming, preparing for this. I just don't see it happening here. I'm, I'm going to take Gonzaga to win. It's it, it's giving five, and if you, honestly, in this spot, even with the way UVA plays GP, if you even gave me seven or eight, I think I would still take Gonzaga. I need to see a team truly threaten it the way that West Virginia was getting close there. So give me the Zags and give me them big. Yeah, like West Virginia did threaten them, but Jalen Suggs missed part of that game. Um, nobody else has been able to play with the Zags at all. And it's not like they've played no. I mean, they look how awesome Kansas looks. And they handle Kansas no problem. Yeah. Look how awesome Iowa looks against everybody else. And they handled Iowa no problem. The only team that played with them was West Virginia. And again, the, the, the one and done top five pick point guard, national player of the year candidate, missed part of that game. So I, I'm going to lay the points too. Like I got tons of respect for, for, for Tony Bennett. And I do think Virginia is good and probably still the favorite to win the ACC. But I just, outside of Baylor and maybe Kansas, if, if Kansas and, and mm-hmm. Gonzaga played again tomorrow, I don't know who I'm picking to stay within five points of, of Gonzaga right now. Maybe Baylor. Maybe Kansas, maybe Villanova, but maybe. the list the list is short. It's very it's very short. So we are in agreement on that. So we agree there, and we agree that Iowa's going to cover against Minnesota. We disagree on Wisconsin, Michigan, and Houston, UCF. Okay, there are three other games on Saturday that you should be aware of. One of them is obviously going to be my pick. The two that are not, Ohio State at Northwestern. That's a 2 o'clock tip. If Northwestern can get a 3-0 start there, we'll have to dedicate some time to the Cats on the Sunday pod. And then Indiana at Illinois, as previously mentioned about 20 minutes ago. Uh, intriguing game. Um, if Indiana can get a win there, I think uh, Archie Miller is going to alleviate some fan pain there, but we'll see. I, I got to pick I gotta pick the other one, though. It's a 1 o'clock tip on ESPN. It is Kentucky playing at Louisville. Um, uh, regrettably, just because of all the Christmas stuff, I'll have this for Sunday. I don't have the Chris Mack, are you a chicken soundbite <laughs> set up. I love the, I, are you a chicken? I don't have that set up for this one, and I'm not going to have time to do it in post. I got Christmas Eve stuff to do here today, but this is the are you a chicken game here. Louisville is favored by four points, which is a bit fewer than I expected here. The cards to this point have been markedly better than Kentucky. Their their records are flipped. Kentucky enters this game with a 1 and 5 record. Louisville enters this game with a 5 and 1 record. It's only loss. It got just Now it was shorthanded to the extreme. I think Mac had eight players available to him last Saturday when they lost 85 to 48 at Wisconsin. The best win for Louisville is against Seton Hall back on November 27 and they just did win uh in nice fashion on Tuesday at Pitt, but Pitt did not have Jeff Capel. I'm going to I don't have any reason not to take Louisville here. Home court, the line is only four. Maybe it's a wild card situation in terms of what kind of Kentucky team we see. And that I think that's certainly there, particularly with this rivalry pair. So I'm intrigued to say to hear what you're gonna say about this. Um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with the pick that I gave to a local reporter. I'm sure he hit you up too. My prediction for this game to him was 73-67 Louisville. That means the cards cover. Here's what's wild is that as I was prepping last night, this game wasn't even on my radar. I totally forgot about it because if I'm only picking four games, I'm typically scrolling through a top 25 scoreboard and Kentucky's not in the top 25 and Louisville's not in the top 25. Yep. I didn't even consider Kentucky Louisville, which is wild. Um, I bet you this, the actual line, because we're, you know, the game's several days away, two days away. Um, we're basing the point spread off of the Kimpom projection. I bet you the actual point spread's bigger than Louisville minus four. I agree I with something you. Something closer to Louisville minus five and a half, minus six. You know, Louisville's computer numbers got really twisted up and distorted because of that loss at Wisconsin. But as you point out, no players. I mean, they, you shouldn't lose that badly to anybody except for maybe Gonzaga, but, but you, I mean, that wasn't Louisville that, that played at, at Wisconsin and they are healthier now. And I would, I've seen nothing this season makes me think that Louisville doesn't handle this rather easily. Like John Calipari is going to look back and wish he would have just allowed Chris Mack to 
delay this game until next season, I would assume. Like, he had a chance. He had it out. I don't think John knew that his team was going to struggle to this extent. But he named captains. I saw that on Twitter this morning. John Calipari has now established some captains at Kentucky. So that should, that should, that should, that should fix that. Yeah, we'll wait and see on all that. Uh, and we'll see what Cal says after that. Okay, before we get out of here, just quickly indulge me on a couple quick things here Christmas related. Let's get our let's get our listeners in the spirit. We got plenty of people listening on Christmas Eve, people dipping away on Christmas. We appreciate you if you're picking up all that Christmas wrapping, throwing in a huge black trash bag, got the got the earbuds in, doing a little podcast listening. Hey, we're happy that you're here. Couple things here. First of all, what is your go-to I listen, you've had a long couple of work days. And I know you're ready to just sit and enjoy and imbibe. I, I, I'm just curious about this. What's your go-to Christmas drink? Um, vodka. Okay. New Amsterdam vodka. Okay. So smooth, you can drink it straight. I, I know you're Pour your soul that. out on the web, NewAmsterdamSpirits.com. <laughs> okay, I, I, I like a good like warm cider and bourbon, maybe a hot toddy. I thought you might venture, but okay. That new no, no, I keep it, I keep it consistent. I got a routine, Norlander. <laughs> you do keep it. I, 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 I noted this uh, in my word doc before, and um, I have in parentheses, probably just vodka. I know you too well. Yeah, um, I go, I go vodka, water, and then a little splash of, you know, those little like lemonades, zero calories, zero sugar, yeah, lemonade, yeah, yeah. squirt it in, mix it up. I do a little splash of that. And I always look wild at the grocery store. Like I go to Kroger and I go to the little, I, I stock up on everything. Like I don't buy things one at a time. So I must look like, uh, I go in a liquor store and I buy a case of vodka. I don't buy a bottle of vodka. I buy a case. And so I go to, then I go to like the grocery store and I buy like 20 of those little lemonade squirt things. I just don't, I, just stock up. I don't need to come back anytime soon. And so I, yeah, I, uh, I got uh, ice, vodka, New Amsterdam vodka, so smooth you can drink it straight on the web, newamsterdamspirits.com, and then uh, water, and then a little splash of lemonade. Stir it up, enjoy it, and go to sleep at some point. Got it. Okay. Something we've never discussed before. Um, like, so for today and tomorrow, I'll have the vinyl spinning, you know, Vince Guaraldi trio, some Sinatra. Got a great, like, old school, like, four vinyl classic Christmas song set that I inherited. But we also rock, we rock it on the, on the Bluetooth, and I got a pretty, I got a pretty robust, like, 100-song Christmas mix there. Do you, do you do the Christmas tunes in the, in the, in the parish home? Are we, are we rocking from a Bluetooth speaker or, a, or an Alexa device? What, what are we doing? And if so, just inform the people. Like, do you have three or four go-to Christmas tunes? What's at the top of Parrish's list? This is going to be embarrassing. Oh, I, I don't listen to Christmas music. It mean, it what doesn't the mean hell are we I don't, doing here? What? I don't listen to Christmas music. I mean, if it's on, I don't I don't cover my ears with my hands and say, I'm not listening to this. If it's on, I'm happy to do it. But am I ever going to be the person that's going to be like, let's listen to an Elvis Christmas album. Like, I, I just, I don't, uh, I don't do it. Um, wow. Favorite Christmas song? Yeah, uh, you must have one or two. Is War's Over? Uh, okay, you're a big it's kind of a you're a big Lennon guy, so yeah, I love John Lennon. So like that's I, I yeah like maybe I'll just put that on a loop, listen to it forty times in a row. I wouldn't recommend that, but fair enough. <laughs> um, I'll give a few to people listening. If you want to expand your uh, Christmas holiday list, these are not like super obscure. They're but they're good. They're good. Little curveballs to throw in here. Some of my personal favorites. First of all, you know I'm going to give you a Guster song. Guster did a, um, fans of the OC will remember this because it was on an episode there. But Guster did a, a parody of Carol of the Bells called Carol of the Meows. And it's just the members of Guster singing to the melody and just saying the word meow, 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 meow. Meow, 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 meow. It's very good. I enjoy it. I think it. Run the Jewels did that too, didn't they? They did something like that, but yes. Very, very good. Um, Julie Andrews, It Came Upon a Midnight Clear. That is a all lights off in the house except for the Christmas tree. Get it going. Drink in hand. Looking at the presents. Julie Andrews, It Came Upon a Midnight Clear. Best version of that song, in my opinion. Um, Fiona Apple, who had one of the best albums of 2020. She does a rendition of Frosty the Snowman that's pretty... Uh, pretty simple a little bit lo-fi that i have long loved um there is a very poppy christmas song that i'm surprised isn't more popular 
called Kiss Me on Christmas by the Canon Logic. Go and search it out. It is a... Uh, it, it sounds like it should be in love, actually. For all I know, it is in love, actually, which I've never seen in full. But it's it's got that kind of vibe to it. And then my favorite Christmas song of all time, my favorite one, is the instrumental version of Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas by Percy Faith and his or- orchestra. Um, it's off the album Christmas is Percy Faith. It is fantastic. Absolutely love it. So a little bit of Christmas tunes. If you are unfamiliar with any of those, rewind this podcast, write it down, go find them. I think you will enjoy all of them. Okay, last thing. My brother sent this text message to our family thread this morning, and I haven't given it a ton of thought, but it did make me think. He goes, top five days of the year, question mark, and his five are, one, the first day of the NCAA tournament, two, Christmas Eve, three, Christmas Day, four, the first Sunday of the NFL season, and then five, he has a bunch of question marks and says, maybe Super Bowl Sunday. My five off the top of my head are the it's the first day of the tournament the second day of the tournament is number two i think the anxiety and eagerness of selection sunday is actually my third favorite day of the year and then well as much as i love the nfl and i love that first sunday i i do think in normal times thanks thanksgiving's probably five and then christmas day is probably four those are my five best days of the year do you have any wild cards anything different that you like i don't know if you're a big halloween guy we all know you hate thanksgiving maybe you like <laughs> christmas eve more than you like christmas maybe you like new year's eve more than you like the second day of the tournament best five days of the year and i want to hear from the listeners too drop reviews in apple podcasts let us know your five best days of the year gp what, what do you got for it okay number one tuesday after the national championship <laughs> College basketball. I love that day. It is okay for you and me. That is a wonderful day. That that's a that's a that's a sneaky good pick that might be in my top ten. The Tuesday after you you got to get home from the airport. After Brett. you've gotten home from the airport after the final four. Go ahead. Right. Um, opening day baseball, which is the Sunday of the final four, by the way. So that's a weird one. Yeah. Well, it's not always. Um, they they I think they started even or, or were supposed to start even earlier this past season. Okay. Um, but yeah, like, um, how about I'll be more specific game one of the Mets season, because I'm still optimistic that it won't be a disaster. Fair. <laughs> so uh, I enjoy that. Um, any of the holidays that come in the warm months, like I get them all confused. Labor Day, Memorial Day. I don't know what's what. <laughs> come on, <laughs> man. Like Memorial. This is here's OK. Here we go. Mnemonic device. Memorial Day is May M. Okay, alliteration. Memorial Day is May. Okay, good. Labor Day is September. Are you aware of when the 4th of July happens, Gary? Yeah, that would be on the 4th day of July. I enjoy that. I In, in non-pandemic times, I enjoy the warm weather holidays because what we would normally do is is have people over to the house and, you know, be out by the pool and cooking and it's it's one of the it's one of the few times not one of the few times. It's it's you get a group of people together like when you when you get a certain age you know people are busy and everybody's got kids and you you don't get together with your friends that often but the warm weather holidays are an excuse for like hey i know we don't get together that much but uh and we haven't seen each other in three months but hey come on down we're gonna have uh you know We'll have the green egg going and the kids can jump in the pool. It's just, it's a good catching up time. So I enjoy those, whatever those are. July 4th would certainly be on that list. Um, I do enjoy Christmas Eve. Not like, not this, like, not right now, right. not in this moment. Right. But, you know, I've got maybe two, three more things to do today. And then I don't have to do anything else. And I know this might sound weird, but. I don't have the type of jobs where I, I rarely can look myself in the mirror without being disgusted. I rarely can look myself <laughs> in the mirror. talking there. <laughs> <laughs> I rarely can look myself in the mirror and say, you know what? There's nothing I need to do right now that's work-related. Like, I rate teams, 26 teams every morning. Um, I've always got a radio, I got a radio show, you know, 12 months a year. And so when you get in this part of the, and you know, even if I don't have a, like, even on a Saturday where you might go, okay, everything's done for the day. I've still got a podcast to prepare for on Sunday night, a radio show to prepare for on Monday. I'm always doing something uh, that, that feels work related. And Christmas Eve is like, once I get through with the stuff I got to do today, I will, I can genuinely, cause I'm not doing radio next week. I can genuinely say, you know what? There's nothing I really need to do right now. And I, 
I don't enjoy that feeling that often. I don't enjoy the feeling of there's really nothing I need to be doing right now other than relaxing or focusing on the kids or the wife or whatever. And so I, I, I like Christmas Eve only because it is one of the days that gives me that feeling. New Amsterdam in your future. Right. You're damn right. Yeah. <laughs> the problem is I got to do HQ at like 545 tonight. So I'm not irresponsible. Uh, so I'm, I can't pour a drink until after HQ, but how about I'll pour the drink before HQ and I'll just have it Let's sitting chill. there and I'll, I'll chill. go, uh, I'll go talk to Tommy Tran about Wisconsin basketball and then it'll be ready, ready to go as soon as I get done. And then I'll start, um, failing miserably at putting presents together because that is not one of my, um, that's not one. That's not, I'm not good at that. Yeah. I cannot, I'm, oh, I'm, terrible. I'm Ill- you, are, can you do it? I'm a, I'm a disaster. No, I'm a, I can't, I'm an, I can't I'm an, put, but I've, I've given up caring. Like, I'm just like, this thing's going to get wrapped one way or another. I'm just going to fight through it. Just plow ahead, head down, get it done. I can't put things to, I don't mean wrapping. I mean, I obviously can't do that. I mean, like, hey, dad, look what Santa brought us. Can you put it together? Oh, it's just, I can't, I'm sorry, boys. Rough like, scene. We won't be listening to, to Christmas music and I won't be putting your Christmas toys together. You are a wonderful father. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I, I'm really like, I think I'm good at some things, but I'm not good at the things a lot of the things that I should be good at. Like I genuinely can't put anything together. It is when my wife needs something done, she doesn't even ask me anymore. And I, by something done, I mean something as simple as we need to hang this picture on a wall. Like she'll call her brother. Like I, I, I she doesn't even, it doesn't even enter her mind that maybe I can do this, this, this task around the house. Like, we got a, a toilet that's been running for six months. I have no idea what to do about it. <laughs> My water bill is 450 a month. I don't know what to do. <laughs> and I'm, conf- I'm confident I can take five minutes on YouTube and figure it out, but I just I haven't done it yet. It's a man. I'm, I, am, I am terrible at the stuff that so, so many other people take for just are just naturally good at or seem to be naturally good at, I'm, I'm terrible at all of those things. If something breaks in our house, it is broken until I hire somebody to fix it. There is no scenario. Like sometimes I'll hear, you know, somebody be like, you know, you'll talk to somebody, they'll say, well, hey, what'd you do this weekend? Well, you know, our dishwasher went out and I jumped on YouTube and then I figured out and I fixed it. Like that is impossible to me. Like if you said the dishwasher is out and I'll give you $5,000 cash if you can fix it in the next hour, you're done. it's an impossible task. You're done. Like no chance. No, no chance. chance. No shot at that. Let's uh, let's have a Merry Christmas. And to all the listeners, we appreciate you. Thank you. Parrish mentioned this on the previous one, but you guys uh, did a wonderful job dropping a bunch of new uh, reviews in, a couple questions in there. We'll get to those soon. Uh, everyone, please have a Merry Christmas. I know there is the occasional listener out there that tends to listen with their kids. Just a reminder, Santa is still watching, and uh, you want to be on your best behavior here, and hopefully Santa will bring you what you've asked for. And uh, you get a wonderful, uh, you know, as we end here in what's been a, a wretched year, hopefully 2020 can be something positive there. So hope everyone is staying safe with loved ones. We appreciate it so much and uh, happy to, to have squeezed in a, a Christmas Eve episode for you. We will be back on Sunday night, as always, with plenty to talk about over the weekend. But until then, you know, enjoy the tunes. Let me know your favorite Christmas tunes, by the way. I'm always up for that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be, unlike Parrish, I play Christmas tunes until about New Year and then it's... Then it's done until uh, mid next December. That's all I got, GP. I, by the way, I gotta like, you know, I we have to like start leaving soon to meet up with my parents outside so they can give my children gifts before it starts raining in Connecticut, and we're already behind schedule. So, yeah, let's get out of here. Hey, you're the only one still rambling. <laughs> Shouts to Devin Daly. <laughs> Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Terry M. F. Eagle. Legend. Shouts to Larnell. Thank you guys for listening once again to the Iowa College Basketball Podcast in the middle of the dumb, absolute, most idiotic pandemic of my lifetime. If you haven't subscribed, please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts. We'd appreciate it. Thank you sincerely for listening. We're going to talk to you again on Sunday night. Have a Merry Christmas till Sunday. Take care. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. 
I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 